Good to see you guys all here at our class. Um, why don't we introduce ourselves in case some of you don't know us? You want to go first? <laughs> Tell them a little bit about you. <laughs> Okay, I'm Christine, um, and um, I have been coming to this church for 26 years. Um, I've been married for 25 years. Um, my When I started dating my husband, he invited me here, and um, yeah, 25 years ago. Um, we have three children, 22, she's married, um, 20, and 17, three girls. So that's a little bit about me, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my name is Christy Madison, and my husband and I have been coming here for about 27 years, 28 years, and we have three kids, we have a 24-year-old, 22-year-old, and tomorrow she will be 18. Oh, so. Grown kids. <laughs> um, and we've been married almost 27 years. Okay. I'm Shanti Westby. Hi. And I um, have been coming here to Calvary Chapel since 1989. And I've been married 26 years, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm married. So, 27. 27. This year. Um, I have four children. A 24-year-old, a 20-year-old. Who's here? And a 17-year-old. Thank you. In the beginning of, the, of this, right now, right now. Yeah, yeah. Right now, we're going to pass paper and pencils out. We did this at the marriage um, workshop. We we only were able to answer three questions. We ran out of time, so we want to save more. But write down like two questions you have about friendship. Anything you can think of, um, and we're going to put them in a box and save time at the end. I was thinking about it earlier, and I think that um, relationships have the potential for. A lot of hurt in our lives, and a lot of us, um, and a lot of good, right? So a lot of us um, have been hurt and, and carry with us questions and things and experiences that have happened to us, and um, and different longings of our soul that maybe we kind of bury down and um, don't address or deal with and stuff. And so, if you have a question about friendship or about relationships or anything like that um, without getting too specific, we want you to go ahead and write it down because we're going to try and address those things at the end. And it can be anonymous. You don't have to put your names. Yes, completely <clears throat> anonymous. Yeah, so ask anything. We won't expose you. Yeah. <laughs> and 
Oh, perfect. Sierra will collect them. Okay, so thank all of you for coming to focus for a little bit of your night on friendship. Um, last week, we focused, as, as I said, on investing in marriage. And um, what the three of us did is we looked back on our, I don't know, 78, 79 years of marriage experience. And we talked about what we've learned throughout those years. And, you know, when we're going through things at the time, um, we often don't see things as clearly as when we look back. You guys know that when you look back and then things become crystallized and more clear. It's like looking in a rearview mirror, right? And you say, ah, now I see um, things much more clearly. And that's what they say is um, the term hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You guys have all heard that. And I think in your own life, you can attest to that. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? We learn as we go. Um, so for us up here, um, when we look back regarding friendship, specifically Christian friendship, that's what we're going to focus on. And what um, our hope is and what we think, um, as you're here listening to us, that you will get a clear picture of what we are trying to testify to. And that is this, that friendship is one of the most valuable gifts that God gives. That's what we have to share tonight, friendship. And if we're being honest, it's not been the friendships that we made before we were Christians that have been so significant and valuable. We may have had a few quality friendships, but no friendship has had the impact on our lives in the way that Christian friendship has. True koinonia. Have you guys heard that term? (laughs) Koinonia. Christian fellowship or communion with God, more commonly with fellow Christians. That koinonia, that finding those kindred spirits. And we really can't express the value that those friendships have meant to us because it's immeasurable. They've helped us in every area of our life, as well as the lives of our children. So what is it that we're going to say to you tonight? What do we have to say? And what would we want you ladies to remember? That you cannot measure the value of good Christian friendship in your life. It's an amazing investment. When you invest your money in something, a good investment is what? You invest and you get more back, right? That's a good investment you get a good return. You put something in, you get more back. And that is the case with friendships where Christ is the center. As you take time to invest, you will be blessed beyond measure. So tonight, we're going to kind of bounce back and forth. We're all going to share. You're going to be hearing examples from each of us about how God has worked in our lives in the area of friendship. You're going to hear victories, and you're going to hear some defeats, some mistakes, right? Because that's hindsight. That 2020 hindsight. And then we're going to have our Q&A. So write some questions. So I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for um, this night and all the things that you've had planned um, just to work in our hearts, Lord, all the different classes and just the time together. And I pray that you would bless it, that the women would be blessed, Lord, that you'd work deep in our hearts. Lord, we love you. We want to hear from you. We, we care for what you have to say to us. So touch us, will you, Lord, and, and just um, 
speak to us loud and clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that I want to mention is um, that I think, I hope you all know that God is your greatest friend. When talking about friendship, God is your greatest friend. He is a friend worth investing in. John fifteen twelve. this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And we know that God did that for us. He laid down his life for us. Sometimes we don't realize what a great friend we have in the Lord. Or we take it for granted. Maybe it's times of difficulty or pain or struggle when we really rely on him that we see, wow, there is no friend like the Lord. He's gracious, he's forgiving, he's compassionate, trustworthy, honest, reliable, always present, never leaves us, never forsakes us. He's helpful and strong and caring. He's the perfect friend. So, We need to learn to invest in him, and I hope that you all do, that you realize how close he is. The Bible says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And um, we do that by getting in his word, by praying, by being in church, and leaning into him. So that would be my first just, I think, from all of us. God is our closest friend. Okay, number two, um, this might um, talk on friendship. I actually want to talk about loneliness. And I want to encourage you guys to let loneliness motivate you to seek fellowship. What's fellowship? Someone. What is fellowship? Anyone? Coming together. Anyone? Come on, guys. Kasia. Spending time with one another, right? Other Christians. Um, who in here has felt lonely? Loneliness. Every person has times of loneliness. Everyone, right? But loneliness is not designed to be chronic, which means ongoing on and on and on and on. Instead, it's like physical pain or hunger. It's a cue. It's an alert to us to pay attention. Do you know that God cares about your loneliness? God has an answer. He uses loneliness to teach us about friendship. And it's been in my seasons of loneliness where God has really woke me up to his plan for friendship. When I um, went to college... Um, I went to UC Santa Barbara. It was um, my junior year when I moved up there, and it was a very lonely time for me. I was not a Christian. I had a boyfriend down here, so I just didn't invest in any friendships, and I came down here like every weekend, and my life wasn't right. I wasn't right with the Lord. I knew something was wrong. It was just a really lonely time, and God was stirring in my heart to follow after him to break up with my boyfriend and get right with the Lord. So I became a Christian, broke up with my boyfriend, and I knew my senior year I was going to go back up to school alone. And I knew I had to make big changes. So I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't have any friends. 
I don't have any way of getting fellowship. I'm surrounded in the most crazy party atmosphere of Isla Vista. I don't know if you've heard of Isla Vista, but there's just a party on every rooftop where I lived and it was crazy. And I said, Lord, I need your help. And um, when I went up there, I went to the Christian bookstore because I was going to apply for a job there because I knew maybe I could meet a Christian there <laughs> and I needed, I needed help. So I applied, I got the job. Then I went to um, Campus Crusade for Christ. Didn't know anyone put myself in the position of trying to meet people. So what I'm saying is I prayed, I was lonely, I was hurting, I prayed, and I stepped out in faith into Christian community. And my life changed. From those few things, my life radically changed. And it turned upside down with the joy of Christian community and fellowship. The second time um, that I had a season of loneliness and this may be a surprise, but when I was first married. And getting married, you know, it's a new season, and we were so happy to be together, but we realized we don't have fellowship. We don't, we don't, we were coming here randomly just coming and not really knowing anybody. So what did we do? We prayed. We went to see the pastor. (laughs) We made an appointment. Me and my husband, 22 years old, went in and talked to the pastor, And he asked us, what are you involved with? What are you doing? And we were like, well, nothing really. So he encouraged us to get involved. And so we said, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to join Home Fellowship. We're going to reach out and get involved with something. So we were roaming around the halls trying to meet people. And um, my husband would find random people, and we'd go up and meet them. And one of the people, he said, was... Yeah, what about her? What about her? And so um, Jim and Shanti, he saw them. And um, so we reached out and met them out in the back. And um, they were having a home fellowship, and they invited us to come. And we started coming. That was 25 years ago. And um, again, our lives turned around. I cannot tell you the blessings that came from praying honestly to the Lord about the struggle that we were going through, stepping out, and um, getting involved. So there's a pattern here for how to deal with loneliness. And um, then having kids, seeing my girls go through loneliness. How many of you have children in here? Have you seen your children be lonely? Kids can be lonely. Young adults can be lonely. It's very hard to watch. But I just want to encourage you, don't teach your kids to fill the pain with a bunch of junk. We can all be susceptible to taking the wrong kinds of painkillers, right? Loneliness hurts. And we can fill it with so many things. And you guys, I'm sure, could name many. Shopping, being busy, materialism, social media, In the last decade, face-to-face connections have been replaced with social networking, especially for young people. And if you use social networking as a way to promote face-to-face conversation, like things like this, they put it on, on Facebook and then we all show up here and we all connect, then it lowers loneliness. But if you use it as a replacement for the face-to-face, it increases loneliness. So social media is actually making us more lonely if we're relying on that as 
our connection. So we need to learn these new patterns um, that God has put out for us to lean on him, to pray, to get counsel if you need to, and to step out in faith and get involved with the body of Christ. You guys have anything to add to that? If you think, if you're thinking anything, yeah. I do. This is where I'm supposed to. Just. I'll keep going. Um, Okay. Show you soon. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just encourage you guys to don't underestimate the value of fellowship, of friendship, of being involved and doing life together. Um, It has made everything just amazing in my life and my family's life. So, um, another thing about friendship, we need to choose our friends wisely. We need to invest wisely. Proverbs thirteen twenty: walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. And first Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And when I look back over the years, I can just see some of those friends and friendships that I let come in too close. They didn't share my same convictions, but despite that, I still chose to get into a close friendship anyway. And what happened was I slowly lowered my convictions in a way to keep those friendships it almost can happen without realizing it. Like a frog that you put in water, right? And the, the temperature, well, lukewarm water, and the temperature comes up to boiling. And some of those friendships, even my husband warned me, hey, that's not, that's not healthy. <laughs> but because I enjoyed the friendship, I didn't listen. Maybe I thought I could be somehow a good influence on them, but that wasn't happening. So I just want to say for investing in friendships for a close friend, someone that you're spending a lot of time with, that you're talking to and sharing life with, I would encourage you to look at the friendship honestly. Is the friendship causing you to sin or to compromise? And if so, to back away. We're not immune to that verse. Our kids aren't immune to that verse. Bad company corrupts good morals. We're not above that. Another thing that we all um, want to do, I know that's why we're here um, as Christians and trying to please the Lord, is seeking to be a godly friend, right? What is a godly friend? Seeking to be a good friend. What, what Christ says is a good friend. We've gone over some things that aren't good, but what's good? Um, well, I know that relationships, um, they're complex, right? They're not simple. They're, they're, they can be difficult, and you are going to have, with those, those friends in your life, plenty of temptations to compare, to compete, to criticize or complain against or get bitter towards or mad at, be disappointed in, jealous of, frustrated with, or to gossip about. Because these are, these are normal human emotions, and we're human, right? We will fight those things. We will have feelings towards our friends that are not kind, But this is where our faith comes in. What will we do with these emotions? How will we choose to treat those friends in our life? And when our friends have difficulties, right? Seasons, long seasons maybe of difficult things. 
being a, a friend, a good friend, can require great patience. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of, of adversity, meaning difficulty. A friend loves through the difficulty. You're willing to stick around when the going gets tough. You're willing to pray for them, even if you may be hurt or frustrated. You're willing to care. You're willing to be gracious. We know we appreciate so much those types of friends for us and for our kids. Seeing those types of friends in our kids' life. Doesn't grace feel so good when someone's gracious with you? It is one of the best feelings. You've blown it, and a friend gives grace. Your kids have blown it, and a friend gives grace. It's one of the best feelings, and that's the kind of friend that we're called to be. With my friends, I have been prideful, (laughs) said things I shouldn't have said, been selfish. Their grace, their patience, I've gone through long trials, not sure what to do. Those times I've needed grace. I've needed my friends to stick around, and they have. Times I've needed prayer where nothing can settle my heart. Nothing. No words. No scripture. I can't get distracted away. Maybe you, you, someone in here is, is in something like that right now. Nothing can, can calm you. But a friend that will pray for you is, is really the best thing, that will put their hand on your shoulder and just pray. There's times when my faith has been weak, and I've had to rely on the faith of my friends because mine isn't strong. But their, their faith is strong, and they come through in those difficult times. So... Whether your friends are struggling or going through a time of blessings, are you a godly friend? Your friend doesn't need you to gossip about them when they're having a hard time or compete with them or to shake up their faith. You know, when they're struggling and they come to you and they're frustrated, they're sad, they're discouraged, whatever, and you go, that's the worst, you know, and you just go right down in that pit of, of fear with them. You just go right down with them and then you're both down there wallowing, you know, They need, and I've done that so many times. No, 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 no. They need you to point them to Christ. To say, you know what? It's okay. I'll pray for you. It's going to, God, you know, the the promises of God, the truth. That's what they need. They need, I'm just looking at my notes here. Yeah, just to remember to be that type of friend that's, that's strong when your friend's weak, that's gracious, that's forgiving, that's kind. All the things that we appreciate we need to, to seek to be. So I'll give you um, kind of two, two opposites. Is, um, first of all, when we're investing in our friendships, we can't have 20 close friends. And I think, you know, all of us have experienced going through junior high, high school, and you're just trying to hold on to all these friends, be everybody's friend. And people are going off to college, all that. Okay? And truly, I don't know what the statistics are, I'm sure there's numbers out there somewhere. How many close friends really 
can you keep up with? And you're always going to have acquaintances. There's always going to be, you're going to see someone and just give them that squeeze because you just love them. But you don't have time to, you know, be with them all the time. And as an example, my middle child, uh, she, in high school, I remember her kind of struggling with balancing, you know, all these different friends. And some were choosing to walk with the Lord, and a lot of them were choosing not to walk with the Lord. And she wasn't sure, you know, what school should I stay at? Um, you know, she was busy with sports, she was working. And just watching her go through the process, and I remember, tell, remember telling her that, you know, you can't be friends with everybody. You don't need to keep up with everybody, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know if I prayed for her, or I mean, I'm sure I did, but, you know, I don't know how, like, devout I was, you know, just for her own close friend. But it was neat. God knew what it was. And just watching her kind of zero in on a couple friends and really invest into them. And she never, those friends who walked away from the Lord, she never forgot about them. She would always make time when they came into town. Things would get busy. She would get hectic. But she she felt that calling to reach out to those friends who weren't walking with the Lord because she is the type where she does speak truth and boldness into them. But then they would go away, you know, to school again, and she would be back with her core friends. And I've watched this develop in her the past, you know, ever since she graduated about four years ago, five years ago. And to see those friends that she's chosen, um, you know, there's things that come up, but really it, it's solid. Mm-hmm. And there's a scripture, um, 1 Samuel 23:16, And this is when David is starting to be threatened by Saul. And his best friend is Jonathan. And Jonathan's dad is Saul. He's the king. And there's already been a calling on David's life to take over the throne, you know, to take over to be king. And um, the scripture says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. And strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan reminded David of God's calling on his life. So here you have, there's the king. His son, Jonathan, is not getting the throne. His best friend, David, is. David's suffering. He's being persecuted. Saul wants to kill him. And here comes his best friend, to come alongside him and remind him mm-hmm. of God's call on his life. And that's what we do into, I mean, really anyone, but into those close friends. It doesn't matter what position they're in, you know, that you remind them of God's promises. Um, a warning is, once again, you can't be friends with everybody. And um, you, over time, you 
know, you learn to choose your friends wisely. You can't let everybody in so close. And if you have a friend who may be going through just an awful turmoil, and of course you, you want to be there. But you, you also want to see how they're responding through that turmoil. And the, there's a scripture in Galatians. It's like 5, 19, 20, 21, somewhere around there. And it says that the works of the flesh are evident. There's sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, drunkenness. If you're seeing a pattern of those those things ingrained in that friend and they're not moving forward, we're we're on a road. I do a lot of hand jobs, <laughs> but maybe that's how I release my energy. <laughs> my nervousness. So we're walking toward Christ. We we want to keep walking in a daily walk. It's a relationship with Christ. And you'll have a friend who stumbles and falls. You're like, oh my gosh, let me come to your side. And you're there with them. You're crying with them. You're, you know, you're talking to them. You're, you're walking them through it. And then you pick them up and you get back on that road. Mm-hmm. And you start walking. And all of a sudden, you get pulled back. Because they're wallowing. And they're angry. And there's fits of anger. And there's dissension, and you know all these things. And it doesn't mean that you can't turn around. Let me remind you of the promises. Let's move forward. Remember forgiveness. Remember this. Let me point you towards Christ. And then they pull you back again. There's a capacity of point where you loosen that grip because you can't entertain that. That that's just going to pull you down. So, um, I think Christine made a good point last night when we were talking about it. I'm on the road, like you're saying. I'm going upward and onward. And what'd you say? Yeah. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go together. Let's go together. But if they don't want to, you have to keep going. And that's, that's a warning to be careful of in friendship. So in that being a godly friend, one thing I want to point out too is that sometimes being a, a, a friend that Christ is calling us to be involves confronting. Proverbs 27.6, wounds from a sincere friend, right? A true friend, an authentic friend, are better than many kisses from an enemy. The wounds, telling your friend something they may not see, they may need to hear, a confrontation, a a rebuke, it hurts. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) That's why it's called a wound, right? A wound from a friend. They expose and they leave something raw and then it needs to, to heal. But it says that wound, that pain, that hurt, maybe they, they told you something that was difficult. But that sincere, if that friend loves you and they're doing it in love and in truth, if that is something that you need to hear, um, we need to receive it. It says that that is better than many kisses 
from the enemy. Many kisses. And what that's talking about is flattery. Flattery is defined as excessive and insincere praise. Excessive and insincere praise. And, you know, Proverbs 28, 28, a lying tongue hates those it crushes and a flattering mouth works ruin. So it's not innocent flattery. It's doing damage. Proverbs 29, 5, a man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. You know, anyone can flatter you. Flattery is so easy. And in our world today, the flattery is off the charts. Again, with social media, there's so much flattery going on. Um, An honest compliment that's true and genuine is good. It's good to tell someone, hey, I appreciate this about you. You know, you're, you're... these qualities, I appreciate them. Thank you. But flattery is not good. It does damage. (laughs) You can, you can, but the words, you know, watch your words. Flattery doesn't help. Flattery ruins. And it, (laughs) if you don't, if it's not good, and a true friend isn't a flatterer. The true friend is willing to tell the truth in love. And this shouldn't be easy, right? These, these confrontations, they shouldn't be easy and they shouldn't be often. They should be difficult to do, prayerful, slow, careful, in love. But a true friend, there'll be times of that. There'll be times of confronting, times of telling the truth. That is a valuable friend and that's something we need to seek at times to do for those we care about. And I think, yeah, I think that happens over time. And uh, the closer you get with someone, uh, the safer, hopefully, you feel with them. And um, I had an example of um, (laughs) a confrontation uh, that was not your typical confrontation. It was, um, I was at family camp and I was a little grumpy with my husband (laughs) and our friends were sitting there and uh, I just moved on after that and and left. But later that night, my sweet little friend uh, brought it up and she she said um, that she, she just called me out. Like <laughs> she just said that was actually not nice. What you said to your husband, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> and we were I, we were laughing. We were just being lighthearted. It was late at night, and um, and she was kind of. We have this relationship where we can kind of jest with one another. Um, and she was like, you need to apologize to your husband. You need to say you're sorry. And you need to give him a hug. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm sorry. <laughs> but inside, I knew she's right. And um, 
And she's like, you need to give him a hug. I'm like, no, I, I'm not giving him a hug because I don't have to be sweet with him and I don't want to be sweet with him. <laughs> <laughs> I was on vacation with the in-laws the week before for a whole week. <laughs> oh, I was just all triggered. Anyway, um, but that is not a good excuse. <laughs> so, um, but, I, but the point is, I thought about it, and mm-hmm. I wasn't hurt, and, and it was really funny, and we were cracking up, but at the same time, she knows me, and she knows that I um, want to do better, that I want to grow, and there was just a safety there, and it wasn't judgmental, and it was very gentle, the way that she did it, and so I thought that was a really good example of confrontation. Did you say, did you say sorry? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought you did. <laughs> kind of. Hmm. I, I probably wouldn't even remember, but I will. Yeah. Okay. I thought I had time. <laughs> Not on our notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the flip side, I think that confrontation doesn't always go that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times when it's hard and it's painful and it hurts, and um, that doesn't mean it was wrong. That doesn't sometimes it does we, we need it like she said I love what what it's in our notes that says that it shouldn't be often right yeah is I'd, this your story I'm stealing no <laughs> no no yeah so anyway um yeah so I think sometimes it's difficult and um that doesn't mean that it's the wrong thing because a good friend uh, is willing to confront their friend if they're in trouble mm-hmm. or if there's something that's a destructive pattern in their life and um, sometimes that takes time to heal it's awkward afterwards and it is what it is I mean it's just part of life and think about those of us that have kids I mean we want those types of friends in our kids life to be those voices to remind them hey 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 do you think you should be over there you know and but we want them to receive it and have it, but we, we need to have that too, right? We're all, we all need that sometimes. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, so Shanti, we didn't put this in our notes, but she'll remember. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. I trust you. I am safe with you. <laughs> no, we have. Okay, so Shanti and her family and my family. We had them over for lunch because our boys weren't getting along. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously. And I mean, it wasn't this big struggle, but it was was an issue like, you know what? We are family friends. Even if they don't want to be best friends, the boys don't want to be best friends, this needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want... Friction. We need communication. And my husband is all about communication. He has no <laughs> problem confronting things. But he, he's very gracious, though, when, when he does. But it, it was neat. It was hard, but it was good. It was neat. And that, you think of where something could go from there, a, a friendship 
could be broken. And yeah, well, you know, my kids, the, your kid did that, or my kid, you know. Yeah. It was, no, we're, I'm so sorry. Or, you know, there was so much grace and forgiveness, and the boys were able to communicate. And us as parents, we only stepped in just to enable them. And like Christine said, I mean, they were watching our example mm-hmm. as friends functioning, but then the boys had to learn, like, this is an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there, mm-hmm. it was just, and, and that was that. I don't even think we, I mean, I joked about it two times, and that was a really long time ago. Yeah. yeah. But How exactly yeah. did you do that? How exactly? Like, how did that play out? Well, tell me about the Q&A. Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Remember that? That's, that's, that's that's we just have a couple more, two more quick points, um, and then we'll get to some questions. But, um, so, um, the next thing is just to remember that getting to know someone takes time. You can't know someone well super fast. And it takes investment. It takes time, and it takes investment. And I just want to say that um, it's worth it. There's going to be ups and downs in those friendships. There's going to be some awkward stages, like we talked about. There may be hurt feelings. But if God has brought you a friend, you're going on the road together, you're blessed. And you need to appreciate that friend. Take the time to get to know her, to invest. And um, it can't be rushed. It can't be forced. It takes time and it takes grace. And there's a lot of, it's going to look differently for different people. Different people have different amounts of time and, you know, different, um, it's just going to play out differently, friendships. Some of the things that um, we did, I think Shanti's going to talk about now. Um, Yeah. And just the value of the body of Christ and, So, um, the verse Hebrews 10.25? Yeah. yeah. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not... That's okay. Okay. Let us not neglect um, our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day... I can't read my own writing. The day of his return is drawing near. So... You might be saying, I don't know, I was just thinking, like, you might be saying, well, that's good for you, like, like the, you have friends or whatever, but this is how you've operated as friends. Um, but I don't have any friends, and I don't know how to get friends. Um, and all I can do, all we can do is kind of share a story of what the Lord's done in our lives and um, how that's happened, how it's played out for us is um, we got saved. We, came, we were young and we were um, married and we came to church and we needed friends and she said she prayed and uh, we started a young married home fellowship and um, just began meeting every week and um So, I guess what is on my heart and that I want to say is that if you're wanting friends, God's faithful and He will meet you. And you do need to seek Him and you do need to cry out and you do need to be praying about it. 
but you also need to step out, like she said. And um, what we did was, what I did, um, we just were here. It was in the place of prayer. And be, being in fellowship is how friendships develop with people who have a common bond and common goal in mind to know the Lord, to raise our families in Him. Um, it was being here. We were here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, um, at so many different events. Um, in, and we served together. We served and ministered to others together. And um, and then that led to more getting together because afterwards we go to Coco's every single Sunday night <laughs> and we'd stay until midnight and so or whenever it closed. And in doing that, faithfully, friendships were being built. In doing that, I need to look at my notes because I wrote a couple things here. Where's my little book? Did it fall? In doing that. I guess what I said under your right leg is oh. And in doing that, oh, it's on here. What we wrote last time. We had to redo it a little bit. So, in doing that, a community was being built in our world, in our lives, and uh, a support network was being built by just coming and being with God's people, by just getting involved in things and rubbing shoulders with other people. Mm -hmm. And um, there's been various ways that that's played out for us um, in home fellowships and in um, women's Bible study. Women's Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Just raising our kids together. You know, then the kids raising come. Our kids together. Yeah. Then the, the kids come along. We're being built, and um, and that support network has been huge. It's been a family. It's been a blessing to us in so many ways. It's it's what the Lord's used to raise us, sort of, and, and, yeah, I can't stress the importance of being involved in community, um, God's community, His people, um, because it's been everything to us, and, and it's not always easy, because sometimes you get hurt feelings, and, you know, relationships are hard, and there's issues, and, um, because we were here, I think, because we were coming to church, you couldn't just, you would, we would have had to stop coming to church and to not, to avoid the people because they were all here. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And so we were going to do that because we love the Lord and that's what we're about. And so it forced us to have to um, work together. And reconcile and keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and it's been just huge. Like yeah. a huge, 
huge blessing to us and learning to love and forgive and to trust and to be real and to be safe um, has just it's just been mm-hmm. so. yeah <laughs> um, no that's awesome last, last thing this may come as a shock to all of us in here. Maybe not, but um, we don't know everything, right? We don't know everything. And um, we haven't arrived, basically, is what I'm saying. We haven't, we haven't arrived at the destination. We're not there yet. We can all learn and grow from insight from other people. We need each other. And there's a term called collective intelligence. I don't know if, has anyone heard of it? Yeah, so it's the idea that a group of people can produce better results than an individual can produce alone. The ability of the group is higher than the ability of its most able constituent. Its information shared leads to a better result. And um, a while back, our family went to Universal Studios. We parked the car, we went into the park for the day. Then it was time to go home, and we had no idea where we parked. And so um, we started talking about it. No idea where we parked. So one, well, there's five of us. Somebody said, oh, there was like a pink thing on the wall. So it's, it's like on the level where there's pink. And then someone else said, oh, and there was like an um, elevator right on the right. And the light was coming in, I remember. And then another one said, oh, and there was like a Donald Duck or whatever. I think it was that. So anyway, as we all talked together as a group, we found our car. <laughs> And if we would have been alone, we would have been really stuck. Um, and there's verses in the Bible that support this. Proverbs 27.9, the heartfelt counsel of a friend, right, hearing from someone else, is as sweet as perfume and incense. Proverbs 15.22, plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. And Proverbs 11.14, where there is no guidance, a people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. And I just think, looking back, in hindsight, on my own life, I wish I would have taken advantage of this more and been more inquisitive of those people around me in the body of Christ. Maybe there's something about it that I was prideful, (laughs) independent, and I wish I would have been more leaning on the strengths and the gifts of others. I haven't arrived. I I have a lot of weaknesses, but the body of Christ is full of people with different strengths and different gifts. And we can lean into those things if we're knowing each other and around each other. We can, we can, um, that's such an asset to us, those strengths. And, um, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, for, say, for example, we're getting advice. It doesn't mean we always take the advice, right? But we hear it and we pray about it and we consider it. It's, it's all helping. In the abundance of counselors, there's safety. And so um, just an encouragement that we need each other. And um, that's God's plan. And that's his way to have community and friendship. So, yeah, I think that's kind of our talk, so we would love to have your questions now for a few minutes. (laughs) Oh, one last thing while you're collecting. You know, I um, am part of a girls, young girls organization that meets here called American Heritage Girls. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's young girls, and they they come um, 
to learn about God and how to serve their community. And I asked them once, um, there's about 50 girls in the group, and I asked them to raise their hands if friendship was a struggle for them, if they were, if they were wanting prayer um, for friends, for godly friends in their life. And these are girls that are like elementary school age. Pretty much the whole room raised their hand. All these girls coming here, you know, wanting to serve God in their country, and there's a lack in the friendship department, you know? And our world is needing friendship, a good, authentic, you know, they need someone to show them the kind of love that Christ has. And these girls were just a sign of it. They all raised their hand, pray for me. So we need to, to, to really take this to heart and be those kind of friends. And then as we do, we're, we're, we're leading other people behind us, our kids, the young people around us, we're modeling how to do it because there's a need out there. So, yeah. Okay. I like, I like that illustration. I need my glasses. Okay. My... Yeah. Okay. You guys have some good long questions here. So we'll do like a few minutes of questions and then um, we'll pray. About maybe 10, 15 minutes. How do you not get intimidated, intimidated by someone who knows more about the word than you? So what I would say to that is to just be honest and maybe tell them, you know, I don't know much about the word. I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm, I'm having, you know, fun reading it, but I'm not that knowledgeable. Yeah. <laughs> just to be honest, just to be real. And that kind of puts the, in. hopefully that, powered down. You just put it out there. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Good thinking. Um, this one says, how 
do you release the pain of bad friendships, even when the people are no longer in your life? Um, I would say, I mean, I you pray and you seek the Lord for healing because He does want to heal that pain. Um, and um, you reach out to someone that you trust who knows the word and um, yeah, and you pray and you pray and you pray until you sense God's healing. And I think what we talked about, too, the, the pain of a bad friendship, if that's what it said. So it's gone, it's lost, and maybe it's really difficult for you. You, you do what you know to do, right? You pray, you come back to fellowship, to, you just keep going. You come back to what you know, which is being in, being in church, getting that counsel of the Word of God taught to you week after week, serving the Lord, having other new things that God might want to replace in your life, and He's faithful, He's so faithful, he will do it. So you do what you know. You do what you know is right. You don't, you don't focus, even though the pain hurts, and that may not go away right away, you need to move forward of doing what, what's right, despite the pain, yeah. in spite of the pain. Do it when it hurts. <laughs> Come back to the house of God. I mean, that's all over the Psalms. Right? We're broken people with lots of problems, and we, we, we have to obey in that way and just keep doing what we know to do and trust the Lord. He is faithful. He's yeah. Is it, was your first question, uh, was it a daughter-in-law, did it say? or Okay, about the... Um, the question about how do when we're so different was it how do I invest or how do I stick? Yeah, how, how do you draw close and be friends with a daughter-in-law um, when they're so different politically, spiritually? Yeah. So, different. so they both have well sons and daughters who are married. A daughter who is married, so they have in-laws. So they. Well, I just wanted to add to a little bit that a daughter-in-law is a special relationship that's going to be forever, you know, hopefully, right? So it just needs to be handled with so much care and grace and love. And she just wants to be, I mean, you don't maybe have to get into those battles about those differences, but just accept her for who she is and love her and um, focus on the good things because um, those those relationships, um, you know, Satan wants division, especially if you're the Christian, right? We need to lead the way. And we need to be the mature one that is loving and can overlook, you know, those things that just get under our skin. We got to overlook them and we got to love them because we want to love them into the kingdom. And um, so all the more with the daughter-in-law, get a prayer partner to pray with you for her. Let her know that she's loved. The little, those things have to be put by the wayside and she needs acceptance that's what I would say so that's what I thought immediately is love like your job is just to show love and as you reach out in love relationship happens okay who's going I have one do you have one do you want to go go ahead yeah, um, 
This this is a really good one. Um, I think that more people than we know really go through this, um, and I think I, I can kind of broaden it. Uh, why is it hard to find a soul sister, koinony of fellowship, even after coming to a new new church and being, you know, here for months, or you know, I'm not sure if it's here, another church, um, and with a strong personality. Maybe that's describing you, you know, the strong personality and faith. I had that a while back, but it sounds like they're friends from before. Now they're married, but she's single. Mm-hmm. So, what what would you, you know, if you're you're a single person, you're at a church. Hopefully, you're getting involved. Like we kind of reiterated, is that community is so important. And when people do get married. There is, it is different. And um, I know when I look back, when I got married, I had a friend who felt very kind of abandoned. Mm-hmm. And I tried to be there for her, but I couldn't be there for her all the time. And it was hard. But then God eventually, you know, brought her friends and a husband, and she moved to Australia. But you know, I, I would say if you're at a church, you've been here, you know, at the church for a few months, continue to be involved. Pray. Ask the Lord. You you get things that all of us need. And we can be so blessed by you. So step mm-hmm. into those areas that you think God wants, you know, where you can be used mm-hmm. and you can bless others. Pray for those special friends. Be a friend. And um, you might have to let go of those maybe who are married. Doesn't mean you can't stay in touch, but you know it, it's hard. They're they they're married. They're, you want them to thrive. Um, and I would just continue moving forward and praying for godly friends and community, and just keep on keeping on. Yeah, one. Um, it says my biggest struggle is making time. I have four kids, mm-hmm. and I don't have any time to myself, let alone spend with friends. So this person, um, um, it says they, if they do get the chance to talk with a friend, um, they can't even have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so. I remember. I remember those days. Yeah. Many years I feel of that. Yeah, we went to the we went to the park and ran around. We went to um, Bible study, and a lot of times didn't get to hear the message. Uh, we, yeah, it was crazy. We, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's a yeah. And I mean, yeah, I think that you know, if you can get an hour or two here and there to go to coffee or. Sometimes talk over the phone, you know. Um, mm. Staying connected yes. is important. It, it's huge when you have toddlers, especially because you are at your wits end. But you still need people, maybe even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Invite them over when it's not nap time, or, you know, we, that's what we did. Yeah. And 
cool things we each have done over, I don't know how many years it's been now, but it's not just three of us we want you to know. There's, there's like a lot of us that kind of intermix. And there's, there's a few of us, some of them have kind of moved away, and we purposely, intentionally send out a group text and say, we're doing coffee night. Where do you guys want to meet? Or we're going to do dinner. And we are so intentional and so consistent about it. So if you're, you have kids, you've got a couple friends you want to get together with, use technology. It's a benefit. Send out a group text and say, mom's night out. We're going to get coffee. We're going to get a bite to eat. It might be a breakfast. Whatever works for you and your friends. Maybe it's just one other friend. Be intentional and try not to stray. And we have done it for years and years and years. And it's... And then when hard times come, somebody knows you. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So. This one's good. Okay. How do you handle it when your husband likes another couple as friends and you don't? I think your your husband likes another couple and you don't. I mean, I don't know all that. We don't know all the details, but I think it's um, you need to work with your husband. I mean, you need to work with your husband. Try to work together with your husband. I would say that's first. Try to come together and discuss it and um, figure out a compromise, maybe um, because um, you want to bless him. He likes a couple, but again, I don't know all, all the reasons and ins and outs of it. But um, I think that would be a start to hopefully openly communicate with your husband so he knows how you feel. And talk to him about it and try to work with him and compromise. And then if there's, if, it, if the reason is because there's sin involved and there's things that are going on there that you don't want to be involved with, then that would be okay to explain that and, and step back, you know? Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, okay, should we do two more? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, this is, there's a few in here about, um, a painful friendship and about okay so I'll just it says um, well, oh, what do you do if you have sought reconciliation and forgiveness with a friend and it's they're still not willing mm-hmm. you want to answer <laughs> what is um, that you, scripture um, if it all it mm-hmm. Live at peace with all men, if at yeah. all possible. Uh, if it's po- if as much as depends on you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got to do your best into reaching out to them. Did I do something wrong? Um, did I offend you? Do I owe you an apology? Hopefully, there's communication back, and you can take that. And either you know repent, ask for forgiveness, 
whatever it is. Yeah, I think if you ask but for forgiveness. You have to live with that piece. But I think if maybe if you struggle with bitterness, like, well, why, why, why? Keep just bring that before the Lord, bring that before the Lord. And, and yeah, understand you don't have control over someone else. You can't control someone else. So you do what the Lord says, and you know maybe you could, if it's a really bad situation, you could ask them, would you be willing to meet with a third party? Can we go together and try to work this out and have a third party come in? And you know, once it's the, the limit, you can't control someone else. So you have to leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have to just trust the Lord that, and let it go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. Oh, I can ask one. Um, how do you handle a friendship with someone who doesn't believe in the Lord and is somewhat a bad influence? What about if you feel as though God has put them in your life to lead them, but they are so deep in the flesh that they seem... Um, they don't want anything.